Welcome listeners to Sleep, Eat, Perform and Repeat. This is a podcast on high performance. It will be presented by myself, David Clancy, and my two co-hosts, Connor Gavin and Kieran Dunn. What we're striving to achieve here is figure out what makes high-performing individuals tick, why they do what they do, and why are they successful. Rate and review, share with your friends, but most importantly, enjoy. Welcome listeners to another episode of Sleep Beat, Perform Repeat, episode number 44. Today we spoke to Carl Powley, coach, author of Freestyle the Book, host of the Freestyle Way podcast, and the founder of the Freestyle app, which I personally subscribe to. When I founded this podcast, I wrote down three names of people I wanted to interview on the show, and Carl was one of those three. I've always been a huge admirer of his work and really like his content. Follow him and learn like I did and still do. Be like water, as he says. In this episode, Carl educates us on the mind and on the body. Carl discusses belief systems, thoughts and emotions and how getting them right can be conducive for a growth mindset. Carl talks about movement literacy, how to improve athletic competencies and help them express themselves at a higher level. He unveils the curtain behind why people do what they do and for what, what outcomes specifically. I also ask Carl what makes a good coach a good coach. Let's know for a great answer on that one. I purposefully kept this episode recorded from July until now as wanted a big listenership for guys like Carl. There was so much to take away from this episode from key themes such as positivity, mindset and loving what you do. If you'd like more information on this episode or any of our others, check out our website at www.sleepeatperformrepeat.com. Please subscribe, share, rate and review. But most importantly, listen and enjoy. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Sleepy Performer Peace. Today we are speaking with Carl Powley from the US. So I'm going to hand over to David for an introduction. So Carl is a coach, very much part of the Freestyle Connection. Somebody who shows up daily, chases quality and exercises with very much a positive mental attitude. Carl, thanks very much for coming on today, myself and Connor are really grateful for your time. How's life for you these days? What are you up to? Yeah, my pleasure to be here. Thanks for thanks for having me. Everything is uh, good. I'm currently in my apartment in San Francisco, looking out at a gloomy day, and uh, it's July 1st, so uh, it's game on. The whole thing starts over again. <laughs> so I think things are good. Uh, just enjoying life and, and working hard at the moment. So, so give some of the listeners a little bit of the background as to where where you've come to and how you've become the man that you are today. Give us a little bit of a history. That's, that's, a, that's a great uh, thing to do, actually. Um, yes, technically, uh, the, the way that I probably arrived at this, at this conversation is because in 2009, 2010, when CrossFit was blowing up, um, I started creating content around the subject of gymnastics applied to fitness. And one of the things that I was talking about was this concept of skill transfer, which is uh, the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And if you understand how the body works, uh, by learning how to squat, you can learn how to run better. By learning how to run better, 
to jump better, you can translate that into Olympic weightlifting. And uh, it goes on and on and on. And as long as one is aware of what their practice is and looks like, one can distill the benefits uh, from their personal practice in ways that can make a big impact, not just in the sport or practice of fitness, but in every aspect of life. And uh, as CrossFit was taking off and things were going really well, um, I decided to to write a book. Uh, The book is called Freestyle, and this was uh, technically a manual for my uh, seminars and courses that I was teaching all around the world. And uh, in 2014, that that was published. It ended up becoming a New York Times bestseller, which was really cool and fun. And uh, now, uh, five years later, I continue to work with coaches around the world on on helping them develop uh, best practices for having a clear mission statement uh, and how they communicate their methodology and their values. Okay. So, Carl, you you talk about physical skill transfer there. Is there such a thing as mental skill transfer or is that a little bit more specialized in terms of if you become more resilient, you're better at visualization and so on and so forth? I think I think we, we are a machine physically and mentally. And as long as we know how the machine works, then we can uh, design it so that it fits the purpose that we have. So physically, for example, we know that the body operates in a certain way to accomplish certain tasks and we can adapt the body to be able to deadlift, run, jump, throw something, catch something. And we can do the same thing with the mindset. Uh, I think it's important to understand that every single one of us has a story that we are telling ourselves in our head. So it's what's between our ears. And this behind that story, those thoughts are some feelings. And behind those feelings are these emotions that kind of nurture our belief system and one of the goals with creating growth and progress mentally is simply to become aware of this and when we become aware of it what ends up happening is that we can start seeing reality from different perspectives and challenge our belief system change our thoughts and take those thoughts and turn them into new feelings feelings that are conducive for growth that are positive and uh, I think that's, that's one of the, the beauty, beauties of a physical fitness is that uh, behind movement, you'll always uh, elicit an, uh, an emotion, a feeling, and behind those feelings, you'll have a thought. And once you have that thought, you can actually change that thought simply by gaining uh, perspective and uh, understanding how the machine works. Carl, I've spent a lot of time over the last couple of years with a fellow called Bill Knowles. In, in Philadelphia, and he's he's an ATC, a trainer and an SNC coach. And what he does is he takes athletes that might have had an injury or not, say a Premier League footballer or, a, or an NBA basketball player, and essentially he takes them into a different space and he brings them into gymnastics studios and tries to get them more movement movement literate and movement strong and mm-hmm. takes them nearly, takes the ball away from the athlete but works on their overall athletic competencies and can they do a forward roll can they do uh, a perfect pull-up can they do a handstand essentially trying to improve pillar strength and things like that what's your thoughts on that because that seems to be near to be the epitome of the kind of work you do yeah i think that's uh, phenomenal and i think uh, at the end of the day we're all going to arrive 
at very uh, similar conclusions uh, if we are testing on the same subject matter, which is human performance. And whether it's uh, addressing uh, helping people recover from an injury through basic movement patterns such as gymnastics, which uh, a forward roll may be an expression of falling and getting back up again. Mm-hmm. It also may be an expression of uh, finding yourself in space, so uh, improving, increasing your proprioception. And then in addition to that, challenging not just your strength, but also your mobility, your coordination, your agility, and your accuracy. I, I think it's it's wonderful. And, and this uh, is, is something that is interesting because I, I believe Knowles uh, is someone who works with uh, a lot of Olympic athletes as well. Yeah. And, and when you work with high-level athletes, uh, it's important to realize that at the core, they operate the same way as a novice athlete or someone who has never performed before. And that's why uh, something like breathing is important. And I believe that that's something that they work on as well. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's wonderful. We all have to go back to the foundation and focus on what we can control. Okay. Mm-hmm. So speaking of going back to a foundation, Carl, let's just say a hypothetical situation where you've, you've obviously done a lot of coaching throughout the year, so you would have seen an, uh, a variety of different athletes and coached certain traits in them. But if you were had to design your ideal human, what would be the most important, say, three physical characteristics that you would want and, say, the, the most important mental characteristics that you would want in that athlete? Well, that's, that's an interesting question, and, and it's, and it's a, a question that has made me uh, remove myself from athletic performance. I, I really don't care okay. how well you perform as an athlete. As long as you feel uh, emotionally and mentally fulfilled with what you're doing, then uh, I believe you're performing at the highest level. Okay. And I think if we were to take, take that question and just reframe it to what it means to be human, I really believe that uh, becoming aware of how our minds work is important and to have uh, at least try to define or continue to try to define how you think about things in this world, what your principles are, what your values are, uh, that, that's number one. Number two is, is keeping your body healthy, so make sure that you're moving every day. Uh, whether it's uh, trying to uh, learn a new skill or uh, stress testing something that you currently are capable of. So if you can run a mile, can you run it faster? Can you break it down? Can you do intervals? Yeah, stress test how your body moves on a daily basis. Uh, Become aware of how you're connected with your environment, uh, with the rest of the population on this planet. Uh, be involved with uh, your family, friends, have relationships that are conducive for your growth, uh, not only supporting you, but also challenging your belief systems, and then have a craft, express yourself physically, whether it's uh, in sport or in developing a business or uh, through art. Uh, And then finally, have a way of measuring that, have a metric. Uh, and I don't care if the metric is financial or something that uh, is impact-based. And I, th- I think as long as you have those things uh, in your practice, in your daily practice, where you have a mindset, you have a body development, you have an awareness of how you're connected with the world, you have relationships, and then you are uh, developing your craft and you're measuring your performance to some degree, I believe that that uh, would shape a very complete human being. Okay. 
So, so say I'm flying Connor over across the pond to you tomorrow, and we want to improve him as an ideal human from a movement perspective. What, do you, would you screen him? And if so, kind of what sort of screening would you use? Because that's something we do each and every day here with people that are injured and not injured. Yeah, I think there's so many different screening tests uh, out there that you can take any of those. As long as you know what you're looking for, uh, you'll find it. And I think sometimes a screen can be, hey, show show me how you walk. Mm. Show me how to squat. Show me how you jump and land. Show me what you do on a regular basis. And then if I am a practitioner and a, and a craftsman uh, within the, the movement space, I'll be able to point out certain things that become obvious to me. And then through some basic interrogation, uh, we'll start to uh, distill where the problems are, but most important, where the strengths are. Because once we have the strengths, I truly believe that the strengths are the ones that are going to fill in the gaps of our weaknesses. And I think that's what we really want to focus on. So it's not so much what kind of screening would I do, but it's really uh, asking myself the question, what is it that I'm looking for? And I'm looking for strengths and weaknesses. So it really uh, depends on the individual. I like okay. that. So, Tyler, and, I'd like and I to... truly believe, sorry, uh, just to add on to this, it's like, I truly believe that if you, if you are a true practitioner, you can take almost any movement pattern and use it as a diagnostic tool. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd like to just go a little bit philosophical for a moment here, Carl, if that's okay. We often hear in um, pro sports and uh, different athletes and coaches mention this idea of what's your why. So what's your why with uh, the work you do? Yeah, for me, it's it's pretty simple. All, all I am here to do is to try to help people express themselves at a higher level, which sometimes looks like, simply me digging a little bit deeper on why is it they do what they do and ultimately for what, what do they hope the outcome is going to be? And if the outcome is not the way they want it to be right now, how can they live in this very moment as if that had already happened? Okay. And that's the gist of it. I'd like you to talk through a concept that I read on your social quite some time ago actually on about you came up with something called lifestyle design mm, yes that's something now that a lot of our listeners won't have heard about can you give us your opinion your thought process on kind of lifestyle design and kind of that methodology and where that kind of came from yeah first and foremost i started lifestyle design because uh through instagram and facebook and social media i would get a lot of messages asking me for advice and I realized that as much advice as I wanted to give them, it was never really uh, fully going to impact their life unless I dug a little bit deeper. So I thought to myself, what, what can I do right now to maybe engage with one or two people every month uh, to try to help them make the impact that they want to make in this world? And that's when I started Lifestyle Design, which is this concept of, designing a life that is worth living. And the first principle of lifestyle design is finding your value. So identifying what is it that you love, what is it that you consider yourself decent at or that you want to get good at, 
what can you do in exchange for value and ultimately what can you do uh, or what do you believe this world needs more of and with that start to identify where your passions lie where your professions lie and ultimately where your vocations lie and having your passion your profession and your vocation become almost as if uh, you were to build a tripod to place something on top of it you could place your mission and uh, from there, once one has their mission, uh, now you can start to direct your focus regardless of it being how you solve problems or how you develop the body or how you are developing your craft or your business. You can really start to have uh, principles by which you solve those problems and you start to articulate who you are in this world. And that's, that's the gist of uh, lifestyle design. And it's uh, a very simple process that starts with a little imagination. Ask yourself, where do you want to be in 10, 20, 30 years? What legacy do you want to live? What does it look like the day that you leave this planet? And then from there, uh, start to go into uh, a process of ideation, which is a strategic planning. And then uh, on a daily basis, have implementation, which is the execution of your, your ideas and your thoughts and your strategies. Hey. So, Carl, that's, yeah, very, very eloquently put. So I'd like to flip around a question uh, on you, Carl, that you've asked your, your uh, followers recently, where you asked them, what would you do differently in your life if you knew everything was going to be okay? So what would you do differently? You know, that, it's a great question. And, and I, 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 uh, I placed that question the other day on Instagram because I think we all are scared of certain things at the moment. Uh, as I'm building, one of the things that I'm always concerned about is, is my wife going to be okay? Is my kid going to be okay? Are my friends and family going to be okay? Meaning, am I, am I doing everything that is in my power right now to support them and to protect them and keep them safe? And if I didn't have to worry about uh, keeping those that I love safe, then I would probably not be where I am today. I would probably not be in the business that I am today. That being said, I value my family, my relationships more than how I execute on delivering on the message and the craft that I uh, have been developing for a lifetime. So uh, I wouldn't do anything different, but I think it's important to realize why we are doing what we're doing. And I think that question leads to that. Um, and without being too morbid, uh, we're all going to leave this planet eventually. So might as well just uh, go for it all out while we're here and in the process of doing that just realizing why and how we're prioritizing uh, the decisions that we're making so let's enjoy the ride Car carl you're you're a mentor and a role model and an influencer right you're obviously i have your book i have your book here f five yards away from me if you could go, if you could go back in time 10 to 12 13 years is there any advice that you give to a younger Carl of anything you do differently? Yes, I would, I would tell him uh, to go slower, to appreciate the harder lessons, and to dedicate a little bit more time looking at the smaller details of uh, the work that I'm doing. And I think that would be it. Okay, well, I'm going to take those on from tomorrow. Yeah. So, as a kind of a, a slight uh, follow-on from that, 
again you, you mentioned that you feel everyone has uh, or they need somebody who believes in them so who are the people who believe in you who are your support structures well my wife for sure my parents uh my siblings and family i have a few close friends that uh, believe in me unconditionally and uh yeah i'm very grateful to have them around and it's a it's a really powerful thing to to know that you're supported that if you that if you fall they they'll pick you up and uh when they when you need it they they're always there yeah talk to us about the techniques you try to employ with somebody if you're teaching them a, a relatively advanced or challenging movement as an example i was recently taught how to do a muscle up and i found nice. that i <laughs> I found it mentally really hard because I can do 15 on a bridge pull-ups. I can do dips, but just kind of getting up over the bar and going, I can do it. I, I found it kind of hard to just get my head around it. Do you come across that? And how do you get people to be able to conquer a movement like that or a handstand push-up or something like that? Yeah, I think it's important to realize that when we teach people how to do something, we are using a code, a code that means that there are some uh, specific ways of performing the movement. Through this code, this technique, uh, let's say it's a, a pull-up, we set certain standards. So for a pull-up, maybe a standard is uh, go from hanging under the bar with your arms straight to pulling yourself up high enough that your chin uh, breaks the height of the bar. That although it may be a beautiful standard and something that really serves a purpose in terms of one, getting you over the bar, two, developing uh, shoulder, lat, back strength, whatever it is that you're trying to build from there. The most important question we must ask ourselves is does this technique, does this skill transfer into another technique? And one thing that you may have noticed is that regardless of how many pull-ups you have, the current technique that you've been practicing is not conducive for you to learn a muscle-up. Your yeah, yeah. motor programming does not carry over. Yeah. So that means that we need to set higher-level standards, more complete standards. Maybe instead of it being a chin-over-the-bar pull-up, it should be a chest-to-bar pull-up. And as we do a chest-to-bar pull-up, it should maybe be, instead of in a straight line, maybe in slightly more extension globally. Uh, in addition to that, maybe it's not hands to the upper chest, maybe it's hands to the lower chest. So uh, we are creating more of a, a bar row position, something a little bit more fundamental, which when it comes to the muscle up, it happens to be the shape that you need to utilize or create to be able to get into the next move, which would be the transition over the bar or the transition over the ring. So when I'm uh, working with people on developing uh, a more complicated movement pattern, I always go back to the foundation. What does your squat look like? What does your push-up look like? What does the basic pull look like? What does the basic hinge look like? And now do your strategies for performing those basic movements look and carry over into the higher levels if the answer is yes then they will get the complex movement pattern quickly if the answer is no then we have to work on the foundation and 99 percent of the times the foundation is what's missing so the most complex 
movement patterns can be fixed by setting higher standards at the most basic level. So it sounds to me like you're a great coach. But in your opinion, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I'm great, but I, I think about it a lot. Well, what 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 makes you a good coach, or what what do you think about? What's the process you think about each and every day to help you coach people like me better? The first thing I do, I would say, is, is listen and observe. Okay. I'm just I'm just a facilitator of a process. So my job is to take everything that I know all the, the evidence and information that I have, try to not uh, project it onto someone, but share it in a way that they can utilize it to move in the direction that they want to move. So by listening and observing and then relaying information or evidence, now I can start to empower people to think critically and to start understanding how their bodies move so they can do what they want to do. Okay. Carl, how would you define a, a high performer, whether that's an athlete or a coach or a high performance environment? I think, I think what one would consider a high performer is someone who, uh, first of all, exercises the beginner heart, meaning uh, every time they come in, they're, they're starting from the beginning. They, they never arrive at the level that uh, they imagine in their head. They're always starting from the beginning. Uh, the second thing I believe that a high performer has is that they have consistency. They, they show up every day. They're reliable. You can expect them to be there. The other thing is that uh, a high performer chases quality, meaning they're always looking to do the best version of who they are and what they care about, but they also attract the best version. They also attract quality. And finally, it's someone who is constantly uh, reflecting and learning from the lessons and exercising what, what I would call PMA, positive mental attitude, which is not being delusional, but actually just seeing that every single step of the way is an opportunity for growth. And I think when one can see an opportunity for growth, whether you feel inspired or you got some insight or even confused, you know now that you have to continue to be the beginner, the student, and that takes you back to the beginning. And I believe that that is the, the daily life cycle and uh, the characteristics that define someone who is a high performer. Yeah, I really like that idea of the beginner's heart. I'll definitely use that one going forwards. Um, as, as a coach, Carl, how do you coach uh, overcoming adversity or dealing with setbacks in your, in your athletes? Well, overcoming adversity, adversity depends on, on where you are. When you, when you first encounter adversity, um, if you're the athlete or you're the coach or whoever you may be, uh, you're probably going to be either shocked or uh, numb or confused. So the first thing you have to do is give someone or yourself time and space. Yeah. Once you give yourself time and space, now life starts to pass you by and you start to see things a little bit more clearly. And as you start to see things a little bit more clearly, I think that's when you have to use what you're seeing to go back to asking yourself for what. Okay. 
what is it that you want to continue moving for? Is it to make the podium? Is it to make a, a positive impact in your life? Is it to challenge yourself? What What is that? And redefine, restructure your mission statement, the reason for showing up on a daily basis. And then when you have that, setting a plan where on your calendar it says you're going to show up and you're going to work on these fundamental things with the intention of regaining your confidence, getting your stride back, and then building towards the outcome that you originally wanted, but the 2.0 version. Yeah, that's great. great. So lastly for me then, Carl, what would you say your big three are in life at the moment, whether that's personal or professional or a combination of both? Your 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 big three in life. So say your big three areas of focus or three big goals you might have, and anything like that. That's just kind of really sums up where you're at in your in your life journey at the moment. Yeah, at, at this very moment, one of the things that I'm I'm really focusing on is uh, team building and and trying to figure out well, what do I want in a team and uh, the organization that I'm building. And I think that, that's the number one thing. So it's, it's really culture. What do I want my culture to be? Number two is uh, measuring success when it comes to team performance. I'm, I'm really trying to figure out what does that look like from uh, a learning perspective, from uh, content creation uh, to uh, financial. Uh, what, what does that look like? Yeah. And, and then also trying to really appreciate uh, the small things, such as I had this weekend off. I was here at home, and uh, for the first time in I don't know how long, I basically sat on the couch and, and binge-watched uh, Netflix. And there was a part of me that felt guilty, but the other part of me felt really good to not do anything and just do something that was mind-numbing. And I realized I need to uh, learn how to enjoy uh, life a little bit more and give myself some some freedom once in a while. And uh, I'm not saying that I'm going to be watching Netflix and, and uh, binge-watching a show every day or every weekend, but uh, to be able to do certain things without... Uh, putting the guilt or, or pressure on yourself. Now, I have a couple of questions, Carl, before we wrap up that I'd like to ask you. Quick, quick fire. What's your favorite book? Mm-hmm. Oof, <laughs> that's a hard question. You know what? I, I, I won't say it's my favorite book, but it's a book that I keep going back to. It's called Drive by Daniel H. Pink. Haven't read it? Okay. Give myself and Connor your favorite motto, your favorite saying. My, my favorite... Uh, Muscle? M- motto, motto, or word of phrase. Oh, 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 motto, motto. Oh, uh, don't let other people's thinking limit yours. Very good. Very good. If you could bring us to your favorite place where you've been, to bring us to a workshop or seminar for Freestyle Connection, where would you bring us? Uh, I would bring you to my parents' house, which is in Spain, where I grew up, uh, right on the, on the coast. Uh, in front of the Mediterranean Sea. Sounds lovely. And I wasn't going to add this to the list, but it has to go there now. What's the best Netflix series out there that we should be binge watching? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, you know what? Netflix series, 
culture you're someone who maximizes life and you help people move freely you're a thought leader and a coach that instills quality and and very much is building his own legacy i love your quote be like water and it's something that the two of us are trying to follow here so for myself and connor here in dublin ireland we'd like to thank you very much for coming on today it's been a pleasure for us we really enjoyed it Thank you so much for having me, for the kind words, the support means so much, and uh, I'm excited to listen in on, on this show when it comes out. Cheers, Carl. Have a great day. Take care. Thanks, Carl. See ya. Yeah, you too. Thank you, guys.